Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 on the Gulf Coast and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. The Outer Realm is fully sponsored by the amazing folks over at Folgers Coffee, who are giving us another year. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, big thank you to Justice Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, the Sonic Surgeon, an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which you just heard in our intro. Big thank you to him. Please go check him out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, you name it, he's out there. Also, huge thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind our banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram, does phenomenal commission pieces, uh, pretty much of any type. I think last night we were talking about all the, the pet artwork he's been doing, so definitely check him out. So tonight we welcome back Ryan Peterson. We really had a good time with Ryan last time. He's a biblical researcher, a writer, um, with an emphasis on ancient Hebrew thought and theology. He will be discussing his newest book, The Final Nephilim, and it's going to cover anything from the Antichrist to the apocalypse, UFOs, and how they play a part everything. It goes from Genesis to Revelation, providing a study on end times, prophecy, and the rise of the prophesied seed sorry, of the serpent, which of course is the Antichrist. So remember, guys, we do have uh, seven chat rooms. We are broadcasting on eight different locations simultaneously, one of them being Roku. Roku TV does not have a chat room. And it does take us a little bit of time to come in from, you know, like I, I always say, look at it as a super highway coming down into literally one lane. <laughs> so we will go at Ryan's pace and try to get in as many questions as comments as we can. So people are chiming in. Oh, hello, Dolly. I always want to break out in song. <laughs> I always do. Oh, Mark, Eddie, hello. Yes, we're looking forward to it as well. Um, I've always been curious about this. I know that Joe and I did a whole segment on the differences between, you know, Armageddon, the apocalypse, things like that, back on the gray zone. And it was really interesting. The show did, like, crazy well. And... Um, I have no doubt that this is going to be really interesting because if, I just want to go over a few things um, from Amazon with respects to the book. And, and, you know, it does have a religious undertone, guys. So just heads up. I know some people 
really thrive on it. Other people's like, meh, you know, but it is a really interesting thing. And there's a lot of study and I love theology of any sort. So this is really, really cool for me. Anyway, just as the book of Genesis prophesies that the Messiah would one day be born the seed of a woman, so too was another seed predicted to come to earth the Antichrist. While many have portrayed him to be a charismatic military genius, he will be something far more sinister. He is the final Nephilim. So right there, that's pretty cool. A fallen angelic human hybrid, human hybrid, who will use occult power to lure most, most of the world, more of the world, uh, into the greatest deception in human history. And the only thing that can stop him, of course, is the return of, I guess, the second coming. So there's going to be a lot of really cool info here. And um, of course, if you guys have questions, you can start filing them in as we wait. But in the meantime, we're going to send some love and light to Amelia. So she's, she's down and, you know, she's just, people just aren't really feeling the best over there. So let's just send them lots of hugs and lots of, you know, prayers and good love and light, as I said, and let's hope that she makes it back next week, which would be great because we have another Q&A. First one of the season, our open mic night is always fun with more great guests that we will go over at the end of the show. Uh, oh, Spirit Switchboard tomorrow night. That's right. I will be joining my dear friend, uh, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn, and we're going to be uh, well, her show is Spirit Switchboard. It's on at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. She's just delightful and uh, gives me an opportunity to share her up with you guys. And, of course, we're going to have her on our show as well. So it will be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to doing the show. So I hope you guys can come on over there and uh, show her some support, and we'll have a lot of a lot of good conversation. And as we wait, bah, 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 bah. hello. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. First, First week, week back, back and, and I, 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 sort, I of, sort of oh I got feedback, I got feedback a little bit. I'm hearing myself talk. Do you have um does the volume up really high? Let me see. Okay. Is that better? Um, yes. That's excellent. Thank you. Good. I don't think you'd want two hours of me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just talking about how we were all talking about, you know, puppies and, you know, psychic readings for animals last night. And I said, okay, tomorrow's going to be real hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, know, I love it. <laughs> well, I hope you had a really nice Christmas and a nice holiday and back ready to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, absolutely. I had a wonderful holiday, a wonderful Christmas. I was actually with my family and my mother in Sedona. And we, we did, my wife does a lot of hiking. And nice. uh, so we, we hiked up there in the Red Rocks and it was absolutely beautiful. It was, you know, for a New York City boy like me, it was great to get so close to nature that I don't often get to and um, really feel the vastness of God up there. Oh. And it's also a very interesting area too. I actually recorded some footage there because Sedona 
is one of the leading cities for UFO sightings in America annually. And uh, there's like, you know, a lot of these energy vortexes there from the electromagnetic anomalies going on. So I did some, you know, there's no way I wasn't going to (laughs) investigate. How can you not? Like you want to get in touch with nature. I think you're getting in touch with a lot more than nature. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely some spiritual entities and presence up there. And a lot of it just really reminded me. And when you think about it, too, again, going to, to scripture Yes. And God talking about the high places, right? Even right. God himself meeting Moses on Mount Sinai, but certainly throughout the Old Testament, you know, you see the the, the attempt spots. to access the spirit realm on mountains, yeah. right? So Yes. yes. And yes. idol worship. Yes. Oh, I, I love that because um I it's very near and dear to me. I have like like different stones and stuff that's been sent to me from Sedona and they they just so much power, you know, anything that definitely red mountains. And in fact, John Polk is on next week and he does all of the UFO tours, paranormal tours, historical tours, um, out in Sedona. He says, Oh really? Oh yeah. I wish I had known that. (laughs) (laughs) I would have gone on one. No, he's, yeah, yeah, he he does. He does them all for, I guess a lot of the shows that film there as well. Um, so, well, I don't hear the echo anymore, but I guess Excellent. You're hearing an echo. I have an echo. Okay. Michelle, okay. Well, let us go for persist. Do you have earbuds? Maybe earbuds. Um, I don't have earbuds. I have headphones I can use. Oh, that's, that's fine. That would probably so, be the right. I think they're actually like right here. So sure, no problem. Let's see if these work. Okay. Yeah, they just connect, hook them up to the computer. So these Perfect. they should work. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I guess when people do conventions there and they do filming there, John is the guy that they communicate with. And uh, Deborah Thunderbeat, who also does all the um, does other types of tours out there um, in Sedona, especially like Egypt and Sedona, um, there's apparently a lot of ancient structures there that it is widely believed are the same carvings of ancient Egypt that are in ancient Egypt. Yes, that I did know. And also, too, um, you know, the show uh, Skinwalker Ranch, if you're familiar with that show. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so they did. I I didn't know this until I was there, but we were at a restaurant and the host was telling us that season two was done in Sedona. They did an episode. I don't know if it was the whole season, but they did an episode that same team that, you know, that investigative team did an episode in Sedona because there's also a ranch in Sedona that's known uh, for to having a similar phenomenon of, you know, extraterrestrial activity. Isn't it the Stardust Ranch? Would, would I be correct in saying it was the Stardust Ranch or is it? I, that might be its nickname. So the name, he told me that the name was a, was a last name as if it was okay. like Bennett or Benedict. Oh, but okay. they, it may carry that nickname as well. But it's, uh, yeah, but they have their own former of a skinwalker ranch in Sedona as well. So see, that's crazy, but it doesn't surprise me that everything's in Sedona. What a wonderful place to, to be with your family and, and share and all of that fantastic energy. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. So, uh, for those who haven't caught, um, the archive, shame on you, you should be over there catching the archive. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe you can just recap a little bit on the other book and your research, and then we can come right into the final Nephilim. Sure. So you want to talk about the first book to, for recap? 
All right, just, yeah, quick recap. Yeah, so Judgment of the Nephilim, my first book, is really, um, it is kind of like just a comprehensive look at what took place in the days of Noah. When we think about Noah's Ark and the Nephilim, the hybrid offspring of the fallen angels who took human women as wives and really started a whole genetic breeding experimentation program you know in ancient times and and why to really so i explore how this was done to really prevent the birth of a human messiah of jesus christ who is fully god and fully man and so it really goes through the old testament and the battle of these two bloodlines and satan's attempt to try and stop our salvation by corrupting our genetics and and ultimately trying to really wipe out all of human genetics and make us something other than image bearers of god so we could be disqualified from salvation Hmm. That's yeah, that's a punch right there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll have to De- digest, so. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a, a punch slash kind of nuclear strike right on humanity. Right. But it's so important to understand it, right? Because the the beauty of understanding what really took place in in the in the story of Noah's Ark is that it makes to me, the Bible make much more sense, right? That the, that the flood judgment, which of course is God wiping out 99% of the human population. It wasn't just a judgment. It was a rescue. It was God actually rescuing the last remnant of humanity to preserve us and save us and preserve our salvation. And same thing. When we look at the wars after the flood, like in Canaan, when God's saying, you know, to go in and wipe out everybody, it's because it was eliminating these hybrids, these fallen angelic hybrids that were out to actually exterminate the human race. Right, right. Now, some people believe that, um, I mean, they think, you know, angels are another race of perhaps light beings because there are, mm-hmm. there are um, extraterrestrial beings that are exactly that. They're light beings. They're, they're just so highly evolved above many others, you know, probably being closer to the creator. So when you say the word hybrid, I find that very interesting. Yeah. And light, right, is a big part of the divine or the spirit realm or the unseen realm. However, we want to categorize that dimension, right? Even from the beginning that God is his light is what is actually giving life to the earth itself in Genesis chapter one. But Mm. I think, I think that angels certainly emit light that I think that even you know, we see examples of this in the Bible, right? When Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and receiving the word of God, he's in God's presence. And God was one. God was covered in a cloud. And God said, you can't even see my face or, you're, or, or you'll die, right? So he didn't get to see God fully. And mm-hmm. yet when he came down, he was glowing, Mm-hmm. So much so that the Israelites were scared of him. He had to wear a veil over his face because he he was emitting light. He was reflecting the divine light of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think angels definitely emit that same light in their full angelic form. And I think, you know, even Adam and Eve, I think for a time before before they sinned, I think they even emitted this light, which is why after sin, they realized they're naked because it, it, now that 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 light that they emitted or reflected mm-hmm. from Yahweh was extinguished. So yeah, so I do think when you think of angels as light beings, I think there is it's an attribute that this divine light is something they would carry and reflect as well because they're of course around God way more than we are. So Right, right, which would make sense of course, you know, being like our perceptions of them. It's interesting to me when you look at the depiction of archangels how 
they're not how we actually portray them. It's more along the lines, you know, people believe that Ezekiel's wheel was mm, more about sure. communicating with these these angels that looked completely yeah not like what we expect <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah a- a- absolutely and i think you know the 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 great thing about that chapter is the level of detail right when it says that there are wheels upon wheels and their wings have eyes right that's yeah. a very that's really out there that's that a creature crap. whose wings have eyes right I know. and so the bible's trying to really demonstrate to us that these beings right i think they're a different type of what we call angelic beings mm-hmm. first of all but these specific beings I think the Bible is trying to make sure we realize it's not, you know, uh, a little child with wings. This is something that's way beyond what, we're con- what we can even imagine. And so, uh, yeah, so I think we're going to be for, in for quite a surprise when we see some of these beings and creatures, right, in the heavenly realm. And this, you know, I was thinking about this uh, today, just the whole idea, you know, there was this... Um, this fisherman, I don't know if you've seen him in Massachusetts near Nantucket, and he's been posting TikToks of him out way out of sea. He's 150 miles off the shore of Nantucket. Crazy. And he's hearing these female voices. And he thinks they're mermaids at sea. And this this is someone, this is, the, by the way, this is a guy who he works for a company. It, just for those who don't know, that area he's fishing in is the second most profitable area for shellfish, right? To, to actually fish for shell. So this is, a, this, is, this is a serious commercial operation. He's not just a guy on a boat. He's on a right, huge... Right. Right. Uh, this, they're taking in hundreds of pounds of shellfish every day. So this is a serious operation he works on. Right. And he's recording these sounds. And then there's one point where they're traveling at about, I can't remember, about in knots, but it was about 25 miles an hour. So not, you know, not they're not on a speedboat, but they're oh, moving. Again, but and the, and through these through. beings, he actually records them like, like in the water. And you hear them, these female voices. And so, you know, and he, he thinks they're mermaids. And he's been doing interviews on it. And, and the thing about for me is when you think about the divine realm, right? Everything that's happening on earth in our dimension is a shadow of the heavenly dimension, right? Is it that's how the earth is operating. Even when you look at and God said this, and going back to Mount Sinai and Moses with his glowing face, right? God told when God gave Moses the instruction for how to make the tabernacle, you know, right. the most holy place where to put the ark, he said after the pattern of what you saw in heaven. So God gave Moses a, a vision to let him see heaven. And all these things are just patterned after what's in heaven. So there's a tabernacle in heaven. There's an ark in heaven, all these things. And so so when you think about that, like we have lots of animals, right? Animals are a very important part of God's creative plan, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he made them immediately. He had Adam name all of them. So why wouldn't there be also heavenly realm animals or creatures that aren't going to be like right Besides. yeah so 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 i think some of these things we're going to see and and then you take the idea of genesis 6 where it says that all flesh had corrupted these fallen angels who were who were making who were experimenting with human genetics i believe they were also tampering with animal genetics as well and so when you think about a mermaid a half fish half woman or a centaur that this all goes i think that was taking place as well that these are just either hybrid creatures or even heavenly realm creatures that are you know temporarily crossing over into our realm can i ask could they be my my theory and of course it's just a theory um when you think of our creator on an average would not just limit himself to one planet i believe he would you know you create a universe 
you would create life on so many other planets within this universe, other universes, because you're the creator. You, that's what you do. You create. I think we're just so used to um, considering what our world is because it's where we live, right? But is it possible that these could be beings that were created even on other worlds that have found their way here or were put here or maybe, you know, worlds get destroyed, um, you know? Do you think? Yeah, funny, funny you should ask that, you know, because I'm, I'm actually doing research for my new book now. Ah. And yes, <laughs> which is going even earlier than Adam and Eve. Right. Which is which is talking about what was taking place. Like, you know, we you know, we're we're almost it's, it's almost like Star Wars, you know, the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, which is really episode four. Right. You're picking right. up in the middle right. of a conflict. And right. right in Star Wars, Darth Vader's already evil, right? Very similar to Satan, right? We see Satan make his appearance in Genesis 3. He's already evil, but we know that he didn't start that way. Right. That there's a history there. And so my new book is exploring what was taking place in really in the world before Adam mm-hmm. and the, 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 the initial angelic rebellion. And I believe the initial creation of the earth, because I don't believe common to com- to popular belief in the church that the earth was created in this kind of like dark water covered, you know, formless and void state that, and God then makes it beautiful. I believe it was created initially beautiful. And what we see when it says there's formless and void and darkness over the face of the deep and the earth is covered in water was that it was a, it was judged. And so in my research about this, I've actually already found some books, you know, from the 1800s, 1800, you know, 19th century Christian commentaries mm-hmm. that talk about the idea of the, in this era before humanity, did angels themselves occupy other planets and, or stars, right? Even this idea that God uses the term star and angel interchangeably. Right. In Deuteronomy 4, and God tells the Israelites in verse 19 not to worship the heavenly host, the planets. He says, he says them. He speaks of stars and planets as if they are, you know, he personifies them. Right. And so is it is it because a particular star, a particular planet has an angelic ruler over it, right? What, what we call in Ephesians a principality. Like we know on earth... There are different areas and territories that are that an angel may have dominion over, right? And so, right. could that also extend beyond the earth? I think it's possible, right? And, and is there a history there? Like even you know, this is going back a little bit, but David Flynn, who was one of the early people to look at prophecy back in the early two thousands, um, and had some very interesting theories. He had he had that theory about Mars and said that a lot of the craters you see on mars were a result of a destruction he, he believed was a divine judgment on no, the planet mars right. and that's why you that's why it looks so battered and beat up and so uh yeah i do think there's a possibility i do think there's there's some possibility there right so let me pose you this question what is your take on things like out of place artifacts and and ancient civilizations that look you know, I mean, there's so much stuff under the water. There's so much stuff under the the canopies of, of, of you know, South America, the Amazon, and things are starting to surface underground. All this technology is finding ancient structures. What is your take on that? That predates. It, it, exactly. Right. And so even like uh, 
Gobekli Tepe, right? In Turkey, okay, right? That yes. unbelievable, you know, megalithic structure, yes. tens of tons of these big pillars that are all there. And it's, they say it's 10,000 years old. So this is before even a chisel. This is before ropes and pulleys and all the things. So how is that being done? And so I think, I think what this ancient technology is tell, is revealing is that again, there's a history on the earth before Adam and Eve, before yeah. humanity, and I think that's when I believe that's because the angels were on the earth initially, right? And we see right. this again, right? Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, God is addressing the devil and says, "You were in Eden, the Garden of God." Every precious stone was that covering. We were talking about the stones earlier, the stones of Sedona, yeah. right? That he was yes. wearing stones and God names them the sardius, the topaz, the carbuncle, right? And I believe these stones have properties to them. And that's why you have to wear them on your chest, just like the high priest Aaron had to wear the exact same stones when he had the breastplate to go into the most holy place before God. He had to wear this breastplate with 12 stones on them, each for a stone for one of the tribes of Israel. So yes. I think what we're seeing, and especially with the underwater cities, right, that we've barely been able to excavate, you know, that there's a there is a history that predates humanity. And I think there was a whole yes. angelic history or pre-Adamic history. And that's really what I'm exploring in my in my newest my, my current research. I I find that fascinating because there there is so much information on lost civilizations. I mean, lost continents, like we know something was there. Maybe we're the new and improved version. Mind you, we, right. like I always say, we're the kids that can't get along in the sandbox, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're not that improved. <laughs> we don't get along with each other, you're right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, but I mean, you know, there has to be, there has to be something to it. And this is what I love about theology, because I had a friend of mine who was, um, he used to be a minister in North Carolina, a Christian minister. And but he's also a theologian, and he loved to just bounce those ideas around and, and, and really gave me a great love for the whole theology of everything um, because it's just there are questions. And this is what people, you know, tend to argue. It's just like, yeah, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? It's just, but what about it? Okay, yeah. we're obviously not the first kick at the can on the planet. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just it's so old, you know. Um, but we're definitely the latest, and, and it would be nice if we were, you know, leaving behind something of an evolutionary scale that could, you know, just pave the way for something really, um, I mean, not that we as humans aren't amazing. I think human beings are amazing. There's so many things that we know how to do. We're powerful beings. We we project, you know, beautiful energy. But what we do with that energy is what turns it the other way. I truly believe that. I've seen I've seen frequency heal people. I've seen light workers and and natural healers, you know, gifted people that were gifted with abilities to be able to help. Right. So I do. I no, think. Most, most definitely. I mean, it's true. Right. And, and there's so much beauty in the human race in humanity. You know, like we are not I don't believe that we are animals, you know, in, the, in this in this in the simplest sense. Right. And, and I remember there's a time I was in a discussion. Someone asked me about, you know, evolution and what is your evidence that evolution is incorrect? And I, and I said, music. So that's all you need to know if you really understand me i played music my entire life so i'm like if you understand music this is we are definitely not there's no ape who's going to make compose a symphony 
or you know, or do a blues riff on a guitar. This is not going to happen. Right. Yeah, right. So you know, and also that that level of you know, it combines everything really when you think about it. It's it's mathematics and art and creativity mm-hmm. at the same time. You know, it's such and that and and personal expression. You know, it's personal but it's universal, right? And that's that's so it's there's such a force in mm-hmm. music and it's spiritual, right? Music is spiritual, right? God loves music, right? <laughs> David Saul is possessed King Saul is possessed by demons and David plays a song and the demons leave him. You know, he was able to do an exorcism via music. So there's so much power there. And so so I agree with you. There's so much beauty in the human race. But but unfortunately, um, you know, we at, at, with that beauty comes a nature, right? A sin nature that leads us to endless amounts of horrific evil and atrocities. Um, yes. Tamara says God created angels and God created jinn, then God created man. So would you say that we are the third model <laughs> or ticket for can, so to speak? <laughs> I, I think we're the second model in that order. I don't. We're definitely not the first model. We're not the first model, and so and I think even even that you know that's a great point. You know because one thing I'm really really digging into right now is the whole is really trying to research God saying, "Let us make man in our image." Not so much about how we are the image of God, but the fact that it's it's almost like this time. With this creation, we're going to make them in our image, in our likeness, in other, as opposed to like as opposed to the first iteration of the race that we created. Right. And so that's what I'm really kind of exploring is that I do think that we're we're not we're like 2.0. We're not the initial um, created race. Right. Right. Well, I'm I'm really anxious to see what you come up with because. <laughs> Um, I, I agree. I do think it goes back much farther um, between science and technology. They're finding a lot that just doesn't make any sense otherwise. And it does contradict a lot. I just think we've been so conditioned to believe one thing that I love the fact that it's being explored on different levels now with open minds and saying, no, you know what? I think this does go back a lot farther. And um where did it all start? You know, how many exactly claim to be the cradle of civilization? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's stuff that we need to know because we should know our real history. Yeah, de- definitely. And in in I, I predict that, you know, in the next 20 years, it, it, we're gonna see even in schools, right? Because it's Goldbeckley Tepley alone absolutely yeah. shatters the current paradigm of how but they we just teach. found one close and, by that's even older. Exactly. Right. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, that's very yeah. right in the vicinity. So and who knows, like they're speculating because now the beauty in, of, you know, ground penetrating radar is you don't have to wait to dig to find these structures. Right. You okay. can just start scanning and knowing they're there and then then start digging more accurately. So, yes. But mm-hmm. that alone, the, the, the current educational paradigm on when did human civilization start where they teach you, oh, everything started in ancient Mesopotamia 6000 years ago. That was the beginning of everything. You know, in secular, I'm talking about. I'm not talking even talking about biblical education. I'm talking about just regular social studies yeah, yeah. Um, in public school. This that blows this away. There's just no way that that shows that an entire educational paradigm is absolutely shattered by that one megalithic that structure and its companion structure, which is even older. So it's yeah. it's we're we're really in a very exciting 
era because now it's not just um, the Christians or those who believe in the supernatural and the paranormal who are saying these things. It's it's scientists, it's archaeologists, and the evidence is very clear. It's right in our face, right? It's being right. dug up right before our eyes. So, you just have to look at pre-Ice Age. I mean, you yeah. know, they found a, um, a Stonehenge-type structure in Lake Michigan, and there's a carving on a stone nearby of a mastodon. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. So, that, you yeah. know, so you know it, that right there, they haven't been seen in, what, 10,000 years? They're exactly, so, exactly. You know, um, Tamara's got a question for you. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, would you consider men, <laughs> this goes stupid autocorrect, <laughs> would oh. you consider men, the alien on Earth, would you consider us, I guess, to be a transplanted group? That's, that's that really, Tamara, that yeah, work? so that's, so in a way, right, so in a way, yes, and like that's, so that's really kind of what I discuss in Judgment of the Nephilim. In my first book, I talk about what I try to do is put for a chapter, I try to, to put the reader in the position of the angelic realm, right? So God says, okay, one, we're going to make this new race, but we're making them in our image. So one, So right away, we're very special and unique. And then two... They, we're giving them this gift of marriage. They can they can marry because they can marry, they can procreate, have babies, and so. And God told Adam, "You have dominion over the earth." Right. So which, again, which again, which I believed initially, the the dominion over the earth, I believe, belonged to the to the angels, and then they forfeited that in their rebellion, and then God said, "I'm going to create a new race, and I'm going to give them the earth," and so. So from from the angelic from the fallen angelic perspective, yeah, we're we're completely aliens, right? We came out of nowhere, you know, out of the ground. Right. Well, here we are, and now we have the keys to the kingdom. And right. so that, of course, I believe started the whole conflict right. <laughs> because this was not only were we, uh, you know, taking over, we could ultimately replace the rebels, right? In terms right. of the order or hierarchy of God's kingdom. And so, yeah. So from a, from a certain perspective, yes, we are, we were aliens to them, to God, of course, no, because God created us. So we're his children, just like the angels are his children. But for the angels, yes, we're, cause we literally popped up right. <laughs> out of nowhere one day. And, um, here we are. <laughs> exactly. And, and really multiplied, right? <laughs> we, we can definitely oh, multiply. We, we don't get along, but somehow we sure can multiply. <laughs> so let's talk a bit before we get into, you know, like further, further questions. Yeah. Let's talk about the new book. Like you just, you just kept going much like this is kind of like, you know, the last star Wars and then you're jumping over to the prequel next. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So, so yeah. So, in the, yeah. So in the new book, again, you know, you, Whenever I write something, I really want to challenge traditional thought in the church, right? That's, those are things that excite me. And so a common, common, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> a common, uh, you know, belief and doctrine in the church today is that the earth itself, the planet uh, is 6,000 years old, roughly, right? Approximately 6,000 years old. And all the evidence, like when you go to Sedona, you can see the strata of millions of years of of Earth changes right there in your face. That that's just 
not a- inaccurate or God is making the earth look old, right? You know, I've even spoken to people where I said, well, what about stars, right? Yeah. If you're looking at a star that is 20,000 light years away, that means that light has now traveled for 20,000 years and that's how you're right. seeing it, right? right? You're seeing, actually, you're seeing into the past. 20, right. When you see a star, you're actually looking through time. That's a right? good point. And so I said, well, how could that be the case? If we can see stars all over the place, that means that light has been traveling for way longer than 6,000 years. And the common response I get to that is, God is, is don't you, the common response is a question. Usually people say to me, well, don't you think God can, can manipulate light to make it appear right. to be traveling that far? And I'm like, well, why would God do that? Exactly. Why is God going to make a fake star? Like, why? Why? Why, why do that? Like, God has the power to make a real star. Like, why make a fake one? So, right, um, right. And, and of course, obviously, the scientific evidence alone, the, ge- the, the geological evidence. So, I really wanted to, again, like I did with Judgment of the Nephilim, just like people didn't believe there were hybrids and that angels were having offspring with human women in the church i wanted to now show that you know what the bible really does show that the earth is way first of all the bible never actually says the age of the earth it's at no point is the age of the earth even stated but certainly all the evidence in scripture is that it's way older that it's millions of years old and that that science what science tells us that we don't have to be scared of science right we don't have to be scared of it science isn't our enemy um it just supports what the bible says or invalid exactly exactly they go hand in hand i think it's it's important and it also adds more credit to your research that you're 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 finding the balance if anything you're finding the balance so i mean do you think the old testament i mean i feel the old testament has a heck of a lot more information in it than the new testament yeah, I mean, cer- certainly. I mean, it's bigger, so, right? And so yeah, the books yeah. are bigger, and the books are bigger. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so much history there, and, and I love that. Like, you know, I I spend a lot of time yes. really going through the Old Testament in both my books because a lot because what I talk about in the in the final Nephilim is how so much of what we see in Revelation is a repetition, right? Is right. what I call quantum repetition, right? And so, yeah, there's so much information there and you have to understand the Old Testament to understand, really understand the book of Revelation, to understand prophecy, to understand the predictions of the future. And so, yeah, there's so much there. And I think just like you can find kind of this, um, you can trace this war of the bloodlines right through scripture. You can also trace that the, the God gives us glimpses into this ancient world, this pre-Adamic, pre-humanity mm-hmm. era that existed when the angels were on earth. And so that's, I'm like kind of really digging deep to bring all that out. Mm-hmm. And then also show that this was the common belief in the church up until the 20th century, that, that there was never this concept of a young earth. No. When you go back to the first century, the second century, certainly in in ancient uh, rabbinical and Hebrew sources, absolutely not. But this idea that this earth, the earth is young, they that was never that. a part of the church. And, and, and they readily acknowledge, there right. are many sources I've already found that readily acknowledge that this whole history of the of the angels being on earth before Adam. And that's why we see the earth in the state that it's in. And just think about it this way, right? Right. Let's just look right at the idea. Cause I, I, I truly believe like, you know, that God says that he uses types, he uses similitudes. That's what it says in the book of Hosea, that God gives us pictures and repeats things. Mm-hmm. 
And it's almost like his signature of that he is controlling the events of that are taking place throughout the universe, right? And so when you look at Genesis chapter 1, let's just look at what we see. We see the earth is covered in water. Right. It says there's darkness, right? Which all throughout scripture is a sign of a judgment. You just go seven chapters later, what do we see? After the flood, the earth is covered in water. It's been judged. Hmm. It says that... The Spirit of God hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1, right? Mm. And then God says, let there be light. What does Noah do when it's time to get off the ark? He lets out a dove. and The dove flies over the waters and comes back with a, a branch. And so he knows now I can get off the ark, right? Right. We, the dove, of course, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit took the form of a dove, right? So it's all symbolism, basically. It's, it's, and it's all repeating, it's, a rep, right. it's all repeating as well, right? Right. In Genesis chapter 1, we have a man who's, we, we see a man who has a supernatural interaction with animals. God brings all the animals to Adam for him to name them. What happened with Noah? God brought all the animals to Noah so he could put them on the ark, right? We're seeing all this. After the ark, Noah gets into a sin from getting drunk, with a fruit involving a fruit. He grows a grape vineyard and gets drunk and has a sin. Some sin takes place in a tent with his son. I won't get into what that was. There's lots of debate, but that we know something something happened that wasn't all good. Right. What do we see in Genesis chapter one and chapter two and chapter three? A sin involving a fruit, right? With Adam and Eve eating the fruit, where we see all these patterns. And so I think what God is showing us is that what's happening in Genesis one is, is the earth is being repaired. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? And that, and it says, and the earth was formless and, and without without form and void. But in the Hebrew, that term tohu vabohu really means that it was ruined, it was destroyed. But that, in, in the sense that there was a process, something happened to it, right? And it's being, and God then is now renovating and repairing the earth. When He says, "Let there be light," He's not removing the judgment, right? Even the fact that it says darkness was over the face of the deep in Genesis chapter one, the deep, Tehom, that's hell. That is hell in Hebrew, right? Why would there even be a hell if the earth was just created? No one's even here yet. No one's evil. Why is there a prison already, right? And so I think that's, so I'm pulling out what I think what God is trying to give us glimpse of to, to give a cohesive like account to show that this is what's taking place is that there was this history and God had to judge the earth and that's why it's covered in water. And then, right. of course, he did it a second time and says, I will never do it again. Right. That's the rainbow. Where God says, now I'm never going to do this judgment on the earth again. I will never flood the earth again. But he did it twice, I believe. Right. Right. So, so here's a question while we're on the Old Testament. Sure. Uh, I think it's a great question. What if the God of the Old Testament is not a God taught in churches? I have heard this before, actually, <laughs> which is kind of wiggy, Guardian. But <laughs> I have heard this before. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it the, the deterred us from from that that book. Yeah, so you know, so the God of the Old Testament, right? So I, I, this idea of that, and I and I've heard this many times that some people say the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament because the God of the Old Testament is this harsh, you know, really um, aggressive. <laughs> yeah, very right, very right, and so oh, I, so I think it's the same. Yeah, yeah, and then of course Jesus comes, and Jesus is like a lamb, right? He's he's peaceful, he's meek, he's compassionate, he's empathetic, he's sympathetic. He just and he takes a hit on his face and does nothing, right? He's get punched, spit on, and beaten, tortured, and so 
So I think that, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, the late Dr. Michael Heiser really articulated really well that, the, you know, kind of the two gods of the Old Testament that you have God, the father, I believe, and the son in the Old Testament, both of them, right? That, that Yahweh, the concept of Elohim, yes, that Elohim being is a word like sheep, right? Where it's plural and singular, Right. At the same, they're, they're interchangeably. And so, and God's saying, let us make man in our image. You had the father and the son together. And I believe that the reason why you see the, the harshness, right? That God, that you're right, that God, there is a lot of harshness in the Old Testament. I think beyond what we're talking about with the seed war and the Nephilim, even towards the Israelites, is because God's appearing in person, I think that's the distinguishing factor is that when God is revealing himself to the Israelites, he's talking to them directly, right? They hear his voice, they see him. And so he's revealing in terms of like, he's revealing his divine power. And I think that's why they have the greater burden of, Mm. of having to be responsible and obedient to God because he's, you know, they're eating literally eating food that's being sent to them from heaven. That's falling from heaven and still doubting that God, you know, can save them, you know. And so that's why I think you see that kind of that contrast of Jesus who now comes and think about Jesus. Jesus, you know, he only did his miracles around those who believed, who had faith. You know, in certain areas, he says he couldn't, he wouldn't perform miracles because there was no faith there. He often told people, don't tell people who I am, right? He told the demons when they said, you are the Christ, the son of God. He was, he wanted people to come to him in a true faith. And so I think there is a big, big difference. And of course, his mission was to be a sacrifice. It wasn't the, the Jesus who we see in Revelation, who's coming to culminate, a, a, to put an end to this battle in person, right? So it's a different, so I think that's a, a big difference is that the mission um, of Jesus was very different. And I think that was also kind of part of like kind of the chess match between God and Satan, that God, mm. you know, really was throwing, I believe, the fallen angelic realm off by having the Messiah come. Right. And he's not fighting anybody. He's not demanding anything. He's not, he's not saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm here to take over. He, he, he's, he's just healing hybrid as well. I'm sorry. He's technically hybrid as well. Son of yeah. Right. So, yeah. So he's what they call like hypostatic union or yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't say I, for me, think about it. Who is, who is our creator? He's yeah. not a physical man. Right, but he is right. He's not a man, but he is, and you know, and I, I and for me, I've found the my, the way I've wrapped my mind around this yeah. has been by dabbling into quantum physics, right. and this is what right. I talk about in the final Nephilim is that I t- I open the book talking about quantum physics because <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go, great, it's a beautiful segue, and um, you know, without getting too deep and yeah. and, and geeking out too much, right, the study of atomic and subatomic particles, the proton, the neutron, the electron, the three right. things that make up an atom, right? That's what quantum physics is looking at, that yes. world. Right. And this concept that what they've found in quantum physics is that subatomic particles don't behave how we would expect them to, that right. they can actually exist in two states at once, in even two times at once, a single particle, which they call quantum superposition or quantum entanglement when they're connected through time, the same particle existing in two places, two times at the same time. And when I started researching this, I said, you know, this is God, right? Right. Jesus 
standing on earth. Jesus in John chapter 10 says, I and my father are one, right? The father is in heaven. Jesus is standing on earth. He says, we're one. Like, how is that? How is that possible, right? It, later on, the New Testament says that, 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 that there are three that bear witness, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, right? So they're existing in separate states at the same time. They're one being existing in separate states. And that's, I'm like, this is exactly what, if you go to a, 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 an, a secular physicist, Right. And say, hey, if you had and just exchange God and Jesus with the word particle and say, is it possible for three, the same particles to exist in three separate states in three separate locations in three separate even times at once? They say, of course, that's called superposition. Right. Right. And so and that's so that's that's kind of um, how I've been able to reconcile. I'm like, you know, and this is really what God is doing. And even the fact that you have prophecies that God makes that will repeat in time, right? That's the idea of quantum entanglement and that whole. And so that's really how I kind of have the lens in which I'm looking at revelation and looking at the Bible in the final Nephilim. And so when you think about how is this happening, the Trinity, I'm like, now it all makes sense to me. It all makes sense because this is science has, has proven that this is actually the case on the subatomic level. And the amazing thing too, is that when you go back to the original uh, physicists who discovered this, uh, uh, Schrodinger, Max Planck, right? They have this experiment, this thought experiment, Schrodinger's cat, where this cat is in a box and essentially there's radioactive material. And because of the conditions in the box, the cat is, you don't know because you can't see in it. The cat is dead and alive at the same time, which is exactly what Jesus said. Jesus mm-hmm. said, I've died, yet I live always, right? right? He lives forever, but yet he says, I died. So right. how could that be, right? right. And so um, it's, and so it goes back to these concepts. The of resurrection too, though, like the ancient people, and he would have been ancient. So he would have, like, you know, if you, you really dig back, you'll find that well, ancient people did know, know there was a sacred knowledge and he would have known about sacred knowledge. He would have been. Oh, no, no question. That, no question. Right? Absolutely. And there is, there is a power to it. Right. And, and even, even at, when you look at the final Nephilim, who I believe is the antichrist in scripture, that's the thesis of the book, right? In revelation thirteen four, it says that he suffers a mortal wound and lives. He comes back from the dead. He dies and right. comes back. So it's not even just Jesus in the Bible who resurrects, right? And other people resurrect, right? Lazarus, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. So there are so so there the idea that a human being can die and come back is certainly in Scripture. Even not being a divine being, just a no, human being, not just Jesus, but other people. Yeah. It's so, pretty wild. Wayne yeah. says, was Adam actually Adam? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> he also makes a good point. Um, he goes back. I'm just going to read off a couple of things here. Um, he goes, um, I have a, okay, I, an odd question, fat fingers. Wayne, you're right. I can't make that, that one word. Uh, Earth was destroyed. Okay, so if Earth would have been destroyed. Could it really have been Mars and humankind there? Were we there first? Along with various animals which were relocated to Earth. A new beginning starting over um, along the lines of, so was Noah's Ark actually from another world to come here? Maybe that might explain some of the the outcasts, like the platypus, you know, the outcast animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, goes, so- 
the ark was actually a different sort of vessel. Maybe it was a storage ark for DNA of various creatures. It's a little bit different, you know. Um, yeah, sure, right? Yes, yeah. so, I mean, I mean, well, you think about it. That's that was the goal, right? God said, I, "I'm building this to preserve seed upon the earth." Seed meaning genetic material, right? That right. so and obviously it was in the form of animals, but God wanted to preserve. Right. I believe the genetics of the creatures he made. And in terms of humanity being on Mars initially and the destruction taking place there, I think that's a separate conflict altogether, right? Because I think I think the, the interesting thing about the earth in Genesis one is that when God, you know, there's this the the Hebrew there's a very the language of English is very loose with how we translate Hebrew. Okay. And the word create is only used a couple of times in Genesis chapter one, and, but everything else is made. The, her, the, the word for create, barach, in right. Hebrew is only used a couple of times. And so when the animals are made, God said, let the, let the waters bring forth the animals, this, this creature. So it wasn't like he formed them out of the dust like he did Adam and created a new being. It's almost as if their genetic material was already there in the water. And God said, all right, now it's time to bring them back. So and he, said, and he even says after their kind, right? Creeping things and, and four-legged beasts after their kind, which again implies that they have ancestors. If you're created after, their, after your kind, that means there has to be a lineage there. And so I think these creatures were all uh, you know, destroyed in the, in the judgment before humanity, and now God's just bringing them back. Right. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so I think the initial rebellion and judgment took place on earth and so again we're we're picking up in genesis chapter one in the middle of the <laughs> the trauma right I, I mean you think about it technically even going back to dna um like dolly makes a good point here uh I, we actually covered this a few minutes ago uh dolly with mary or christ being hybrid mary uh god that sort of thing but we all technically have nephilim blood if you're going back to when they mingled with humanity i mean that went down the pipeline yeah right so i mean i think that god's effort was to eradicate it right obviously god was you know when you look at noah right i think noah was selected right it says noah was a just man and perfect in his generations that's the, how he's introduced right. in scripture in that term perfect tamim Right. In Hebrew is referring to a physical perfection, right? The same term for all a sacrificial lamb that right. they in the Old Testament they said the lamb must be without blemish, right. meaning tamim. So it's not has nothing to do with him being right. he's such a good guy. Like he's morally right. perfect. It's about something in his body and I believe that he was perfectly human. So I don't think everybody was. I think that's why he was selected to reboot the earth because he was one a believer and two was actually probably one of the last humans um full humans left on earth i believe um at the human population at that time right. so jesus though on the other hand and again going back to mary does jesus have mary's blood in him absolutely he was born physically he was literally born from her womb right so again so he in that sense and again i i I will say, rather than saying it's a hybrid, I would say that I call it that he is in superposition as a man and God at the same time. But yes, he definitely has the human blood. He has literal the blood of Mary uh, right. in him. So, and her genetics, obviously. Right. 
so in your research because you're going to keep going forward while you go back <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm going forward and backward at the same time exactly. <laughs> i have to go back to the future <laughs> but will you be exploring into um giants and i mean obviously there's a lot of there's it would make sense that you would find bones and such of giants you know because that would be your theory as to the destruction of the nephilim um but there are still there have been modern day sightings of giants right down to um from some of our service people in iraq who have claimed yeah, to yeah. Be, you know sure yeah the kandahar giant yeah yeah so i think you know and even things like chupacabra right sasquatch all these things where i think we know that beings can cross through the veil right where it's i don't think the veil that separates the human realm from the spirit realm is just fully open i don't think that's going to happen until the end times but i think that 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 beings cross over right there people and there are ways to do it there are ways to do it you know if you're it's no different than people who are conducting a seance and trying to speak to the spirit realm you're enacting a ritual in order to pierce through the veil into the divine realm so why can't these beings do the same thing to come back or a creature right so and again i don't think i don't think they're coming in by the millions but can a single being entity make it to our realm where, they, where we can actually literally see them i think that def i think it does happen right i think right. i think it absolutely happens and so right. um can we see a, a, a hybrid being in this time or a, an angelic being or a demon or a possessed creature right too right and that's mm-hmm. that's another thing that um i talk about in judgment the nephilim is that you know we see in the new Testament, demonic beings enter animals, right? And so those animals are not going to act in their normal fashion and when they're possessed. Right. So, so I think there's, so yes, I do think there's a possibility when we see these sightings that we see the, um, the spirit realm at work that these beings can at for different reasons. And I think that, you know, everything in God's kingdom has an order and a function and, and, and it's almost like, a legal system where you have to have a license to do certain things. And even if you think about back in the old Testament, that every day there had to be a blood sacrifice in the temple to cover mm-hmm. sin, that that blood was literally doing something in the divine realm to protect Israel from God's judgment to say, okay, now these sins, God is going to remove this sin from Israel today because the blood has been, has done. So there's, it's, somehow accessing it we talked about aaron having to wear the breastplate how only he was the only person allowed in the most holy place so all these types of rules and regulations and when you think about there are so many other rituals that people do to try and access the spirit realm so i i I see i can see it working in the reverse way too that they want to access the human realm there are certain things they have to do maybe they need blood you know i recently was uh on a show talking about cattle mutilations and this idea of like, what's going on with that? And I said, well, you know, cattle happen to have a significant amount of blood in their body, you know, cause a lot of times they're finding these cows and they're fully, you know, they have these like very precise surgical incisions and all the blood is drained from them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, well, they happen to have a lot of blood and, and we know certainly in the Bible and in many belief systems, blood is critical to accessing the spirit realm. And so maybe these beings are doing the reverse to come into our realm. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Um, so I'm just going through 
uh, some of the notes. I went onto Amazon just so I could delve in. As sure, much as sure. Into your book. Yeah. But you have some really interesting points here. Um, what role do UFOs and alien phenomena play in end of time events? I find that one um, really interesting that you would even put it there. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's going to be a big part of it. So, you know, again, as we talk about the veil, I do believe that, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, before the flood, the veil was removed, right? You had angelic beings openly manifesting. God could, Adam and Eve spoke to God. They spoke to the devil. They could speak to angels. There was a cherubim guarding the gar- the Garden of Eden after they were banished and a flaming sword just swinging around. So there's the intersection of the divine and the human realm was just totally open. And so I think that's going, that's going to happen again um, in the end times of the Great Tribulation. And so where does that, what does that mean for the UFO phenomena? Well, we see in Revelation 12, it says there's a war in heaven when Satan, who, by the way, can access heaven still. Satan is allowed to go to heaven. Satan speaks to God. They have conversations. He stands before God's throne. We see this in Job chapters 1 and 2. But in, in the end times, that Revelation chapter 12, it says that there's a war between his army and Michael's army, and Satan is evicted. He's cast out down to earth. And it says, and all his angels with him, and he's no longer given access. And I think at that point, you know, what I point to is now now they're coming to earth. And it says, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil has come upon you with great wrath, knowing his time is short. And so this is the invasion. Now these beings are going to be out in front, visibly manifesting. And so, but what if they don't come to earth you know, with fangs and growling and looking to fight? What if they come as benevolent beings, you know? And so I quote, you know, this amazing, amazing passage from Hippolytus. Hippolytus was a Christian uh, pastor, basically, bishop in, in 202 AD. And he wrote this a treatise, the earliest commentary in Revelation called On Christ and Antichrist. And he talks about this exact chapter and it's this amazing how he describes them. He says, imagine the angels coming, you know, bathed in light, floating in the air, singing beautiful songs, you know. And, and so and so he's his whole thesis is that they may come saying, hey, we are your creators. We are from this distant planet. We are coming to now evolve you into uh, Homo Novus, Homo Sapien 2.0. We seeded you on the planet. So I think that's where, if we see this idea of alien beings coming in, I think it's going to be at that point. And so, um, and they 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 put themselves at the role of saying, we are actually the creators of humanity, and now we're here to help you transcend to your next stage of evolution. And so, um, and by the way, you know, if if the rapture takes place as prophesied things, you know, those people were just not willing to participate in the proper procedures we need to take, you know, they're not a part of our movement. So they had to leave this, this realm. And so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I see in the end times, I do think that we can see, um, a UFO actual manifestation before our eyes for the whole public to see, not as not a discrete little thing that happens. Only five people see, I think it's going to be, a global event, right? And I think everything that's happening now where you have so many government officials and governments themselves disclosing programs and documents and all these things that like, these are the birth pangs, right? We're getting, the pump is being primed for a much open, much larger, more public, more open disclosure. 
Well, I'm going to challenge your thinking a bit. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what if, what if we know angels were here? There are angels with wings, angels without yes. wings. No, they're light yes. beings. What if they're the ones that come down and remove, let's say, because the righteous will tell you, no, we're just going to have this rapture. We're going to be gone. How mm -hmm. do you know that's not how it's going to happen? And the rest of us are here fending for ourselves. Or, you know, like, like it, it, it could really go either way because until we actually get there, we don't, we don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it could be, right? I mean, there are lots of people I know and have tremendous respect for who believe that any rapture is going to happen actually at the end of the Great Tribulation, right? at the very end. And so, which means we're here for everything. All Christians are here for everything. And, and that may very well be the case, you know, that, that could be the case, you know, I take a different position, but it could be the case and you're, but you're right. We don't know until, until it happens for sure. Right. Because this is a Christian belief, you know, there are religions mm -hmm. of, of the world that are considerably older. Um, you know, Christianity is a, is a baby on the grand scheme of, of, um, you know, ancient, more ancient religions, except Buddhism, even, even the Muslim faith is like, they're older. So you have a lot of people in there with their own opinions, but in the end, you know, it's the same idea, just with different, different arms of the tree sort of thing, which I find really fascinating because I love, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. learning about religions and how you have the one basic concept that's the same, but there's just so much more to the different puzzle. variations. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in some ways, yeah. you know, um, there's a lot of overlap, right? Because right. again, you know, going back to the Nephilim, you know, there are easily 35 identifiable ancient accounts of giants and a flood all throughout the world. Right. Yeah. So yeah. does that mean that they're all different religions and different floods or are they just retelling the exact same account? from their own cultural milieu and perspective, right? That's why I would, I would say it's all the same event, right? Right. It's very, if you ask the detective, you know, an NYPD detective, okay, you have 35 people just told you they saw someone run in a bank and steal it. They're not going to go to 35 different banks. They're going to say, okay, this happened at one bank. At one bank. Right, so, right. so, um, right, right. So, so yeah, so I think, so uh, there is overlap, but, you know, what I... What gets me uh, personally excited with the Bible and is there are very few books that tell a lot of prophecy, believe it or not. Like a lot of ancient texts don't get into too much specific <laughs> prophecies there, you know, um, as much, I think, as, as, as the Bible does. And so that's, that's where my leaning comes. But I do think that on some level you have... I think there's overlap in some level, right? So I, I, you know, one thing I looked at with that came to my mind, when I, and I and I mean to look into it even more, right? Is when we talked about like the planets and beings being on planets, right? In Mormonism, you're taught that if you uh, follow the rules of Mormonism, of which there are many, and they're pass and ascend, that mm -hmm. you get your own planet, and you have you have a you have a lot of children to populate this planet that you right. get upon right. death, right? In turn. Right. And so 
Now, I don't believe that personally in my belief. However, I find it interesting that they believe that there's an idea of having a planet, right? And I think so. I think where does that come from? I think it ties back to the idea of angels having planets. And even if you again, if you look at uh, Roman, ancient Roman mythology, which is their religion, right? Their mythology, what we call mythology, was their religion, right? Mm-hmm. Mars, right? They believed the planet Mars was a god, that it, a deity, not just a rock, a and deity, in, in right? The ancient civilizations, I mean, right? Venus, right? So, so, so again, so again, yes. So, what does that mean? Do, do I think that they're wrong? I think they know that. I think no. I think there's some that we may call what in scripture might be a principality they're just calling mars right they they gave us he has a specific name or she has a specific name mars or venus right and so so i do think that on some level there's a lot of there's a lot more commonality in religions than we think mm-hmm. obviously in christianity as in other religions right they, they some religions choose to, to to promote an exclusive viewpoint in terms of how you achieve salvation christianity definitely islam for sure mormonism Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be a Mormon and still not actually achieve the proper level of ascendance right. in Mormonism because there's a lot of things the you have to do. You. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, you might not get a planet in the end, um, right. especially if you're black. So, right. which they think is a sin, right, and a curse. So, um, but so, but for me, again, I go with I, I personally go with the Bible, and so much of it is, I think, because of the power of prophecy, and the, there's so many just the Old Testament prophecies that have not only are not just proven by the life of Christ, but even by archaeology, right? There's a lot of things that, have, that even secular archaeologists can say, this proves what the Bible said. That, that So um, that's where I uh, fall personally. But I think um, I've always I understand the, the, the overlap here. The planet's hmm? only 6,000 years old. Life oh, no, 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 here. No, no, I'm no. just like, that's ridiculous. I've heard, yeah, I, no. You know, you have to, you know, realize from a certain standpoint that, you know, the obvious is right there, <laughs> you know, as exactly. far as, you know, we have the technology now to test a lot of this stuff. Uh, we're right. finding a lot of ancient civilizations, ruins anyway, are rising up out of the water. We can see it, you know, the, under the forest canopies, we can see it. We can, you know, like it, it's everywhere. Pyramids, yes. there thousands of pyramids all over the world. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I think we have to, we have to look at some of that as well. And that's what makes, I think that's why people look at that and go, I struggle with that because there's so much more that's left out. It's just not included. You know, the earth is, is a, I mean, the earth is filled now in this day and age, this era that we're living in, obviously because of technology, right? We're seeing ancient history right before our eyes, right? It's almost like, it's like a movie, right? We're discovering in the dirt, in the sand, in the earth, literal ancient history, you know? And so I, I, I you know, I, and again, that's why, and I'm in, in my research, I'm going to include, you know, um, a chapter about these megalithic structures and put right. video in. So, you know, I like to put right. video commentary in my books. So there'll also be video so you can see these things and not just hear or read it um, from my perspective, but see that like these, it's, you this know, we need to family. embrace this, you yeah. know, we need to embrace that this, these, all this mm-hmm. archeological and ancient evidence that not just shows the age of the earth, 
but also again like you said from the beginning shows ancient technology high high mathematics you know advanced uh geometry right the, and and just even just the sheer work itself right how do you in 10,000 BC lift up a rock that weighs 15 tons how is that done <laughs> and stand it in the ground so that 10,000 years later it's still actually able to stand on its own Ancient and you Martin. don't have a chisel or a shovel. Exactly. We can't even make a building that lasts more than 200 years. <laughs> and, and we have technology. <laughs> so that's a bit of a Exactly. Reason, you know, exactly. What yeah. Being done before. Um, okay. So let's get into um, who or what is the Antichrist? Was he super? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great question. You know? Yeah. So I, I believe that, uh, you know, again, Going back to Genesis 3.15, I kind of start both books in the same place uh, in Genesis 3.15 when God prophesied in the in Judgment of the Nephilim, I talk about the prophecy of the Messiah. God says that tells that tells Satan that you will be your head will be crushed. You'll be defeated by the seed of the woman, that a woman is going to give birth to this Messiah who will ultimately defeat you. And that's what sets this war off. However, that's not the entirety of the prophecy. What God also says, he says, I will put enmity, I'll put war between, speaking to the devil, he says, between your seed and her seed, right? And so you can, you can go to any church and say, hey, her seed, that's Mary, right? That's the Messiah. And I'll say, yes, of course, that's the Messiah. He is the seed of the woman. However, God, said, God says there are two seeds. He tells the devil from the beginning in Genesis, he tells the devil that he's going to have a seed, an offspring, and I believe that I believe that's a literal child, and I believe that's who the Antichrist is, and he is a hybrid. He is the final Nephilim on Earth, and so, and and his and you know a part of this too, when you think about this, and uh, Tim Alberino in his book Birthright really I think fleshes this out really well. He talks about the fact that the idea of rulership over the Earth, and that since God gave the world to humanity when we see he gives dominion to humanity over the earth it's critical that whoever actually is ruler of the earth has to have to some extent human dna and i think that's why you know it's so ironic that the devil spends all throughout the bible the devil's trying to rule and challenging jesus and tempting him and says you i want you to worship me all these things but when it comes to the time that he's at his maximum power in the book of revelation it's not the devil who's running the world. It's the Antichrist. It's the beast. It's his offspring. And I think that's because, it, he, because he will be part human, and that will give him the birthright, so to speak, to sit and actually rule the earth. And so his, his goal is to be, I believe, the, to sit as, to present himself as the Messiah of the world and to really, again, try to thwart God's plan of salvation and ultimately um, it's, not just rule the world, but receive the worship of the world as well. Right, right. God, I think it's going to happen in our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very possible. <laughs> I, I think it's very possible, right? And I'll tell you why I think it's possible. Um, is what I look at is in terms of how close are we, right? Is, is uh, to me, I look at technology. And why is that? Because I look at what is being described in Revelation 
that could not be achieved today, right? You look and think about like, you know, Revelation was written in circa 96 AD, right? Almost 2000 years ago. And you have the apostle John, he's writing, you know, he's writing about, you know, a mark that controls all buying and selling for every single person on the earth. The mark of the beast that goes in your hand, it controls everything. Well, in 96 AD, you could literally trade any item for anything. Mm-hmm. I could trade you a goat for fabric. You can give me gold for veg. Like anything was exchangeable that had value, right? Commerce was very free flowing. And yet he's saying there's going to be one object that you put in your hand and you can't buy or sell anything without it. But of course now today that's achievable. RFID technology, RFID tattoos, Mm-hmm. sticking of inserting a phone into your body, right? All these things can allow you now to just wave your hand and buy something, right? You can go to the Whole Foods now and just use your palm print and it, purchase it, your groceries. It's, it's true. That wigs me out. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that, that, right. That, that. So, but we're seeing prophecy in my body though, like Botox and that stuff. So there I'm you go. But see, but don't you see, this is what I'm talking about. The prophecy of the Bible, how real that is. The Bible, like John wrote that 2000 years ago that you're going to be able to buy something with your hands. And literally, you can literally do that right now at Whole Foods. Right. Just with you, just put your right hand down and go buy something. And so again, the technology now exists. The, the, it, Revelation 11 talks about the two witnesses who preach in, in Jerusalem for three and a half years. It says they're killed. And it says their bodies lay in the street for three and a half days and the entire world sees their bodies, right? Again, totally impossible until about a few years ago, 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible. But now hmm. it'll be on Facebook. It'll be on TikTok. It'll be on Instagram and everyone has a phone and you, everyone, now that's completely possible, well, right? I mean, so it's social media is a collective information. It, it, exactly. Right. It it's, created, it, you know. it's the collective information. And so now that all these things are possible. And then when you look at the ultimate, right, the ultimate technological achievement in, in the Bible that you see in the world to me is the image of the beast, right? Like Satan needs technology, right? He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. So he needs to use technology, which is why he has to use a mark, a, a device, something in your hand for buying and selling because he doesn't have all power. Mm-hmm. And so you have the Antichrist. It says he sets up this image and it says that the false prophet, who's kind of his religious prime minister, it says he causes the people of the world to make this image to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. But it says it's given life. It's alive. Mm-hmm. It's made. It's, a ma- it's something made, but it's alive. So it's, it's literally artificial intelligence. It's the ultimate AI, that it's a created statue or robot, but it actually has life. So... That to me is again another startling thing that to be writing that in 96 AD that something's going to be created by people, they're just going to manufacture something that's actually alive. It's AI. And then it says that it knows who is worshiping the Antichrist and who isn't. Right. Now, how can that take place? How can it know if somebody in Zimbabwe is doing their little Antichrist worship in the morning? They can know that if that person has a link into a a network, right? Like a Neuralink mm-hmm. that's literally connecting your mind to a network. Well, now yeah, I can I'm having a matrix you. moment is what I'm having. There you right go. Now. Exactly. Oh, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it is the matrix, right? You're jacked <laughs> it, it into is. the system. You're plugged into the system. It and is. so that's, so, and, and now that's happening, right? We see Elon Musk is doing it. in Japan. They're working on technology that can actually take your dreams and put them on a screen, visually display your dreams on a screen, Absolutely. right? So, 
the idea of interfacing human thought with a computer network, we're, I would say, at the most five to 10 years away from someone being able to literally think it's, something, right? Yeah, it's got and, and a computer can pick it up across the country, I mean, across the world, rather. Right, right. I agree with you. Um, so, and yeah. No, I was Go ahead. Uh, Wayne, when he says, and I, and I am, I, I am a, an avid Enoch. I love reading about Enoch, but sure. He planted firmly upon the ground, which on the kingdom of heaven within the palm of his hand. Sounds a lot like a cell phone or a tablet. It's <laughs> there you go. It's right. Nice. It's all repeating, right? It's this, this, right? See, it's all repeating. Yes. As it was in the days of Noah, right? It was what, what, how did, how were the able, the angels able to, to impress humanity to get wives? I believe it's technology. I believe they offered divine technology in exchange for a woman's hand in marriage, right? And which is what the book of Enoch says, by the way, right? right. They taught humanity sciences, metallurgy, makeup even, right? So, um, right. so yeah, so I, I, it makes perfect sense to me that, that Enoch had the, the first iPad. I know, Enoch. <laughs> so, with that being said, I am going to have to make a quick station ID. So for those just tuning in, you're listening to the Outer Realm Radio, broadcasting live in United Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio, 105.3 107.7, and of course, Roku TV. That's right. So if, I love all the comments and chat. Thank you, thank you. Uh, our guest tonight is Ryan Peterson. We are talking about his book, The Final Nephilim, and and it's a really super interesting conversation. And, you know, we're, we've got some people agreeing and disagreeing. This is what I love. I love all the comments. We it's are great. all individuals. We are all different. We, we, we think differently. And we find our answers in different ways. And that's what you need to keep doing. I'm an avid researcher. I love to learn. And this is why I enjoy doing the show. Because so many amazing people like Ryan come on and discuss their research with us. And I personally am all about high strangers and the otherworldly. And it comes in many different ways. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I want to give a special shout out to everyone who's watching in the chat room and all the comments. And for those who uh, may disagree with some of the things I'm saying, it's, it's great. It's all good. And you'll be very comforted to know that there are many Christians who disagree with what I say as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it's all good. No, it's, it's great. And the thing about it, right. Is that I always, this is how I feel like, I feel that like as we, when you study things that are helping build your spirituality and your spiritual beliefs, it's, I compare it very much to the gym, right? It's like, um, I love to, I love going to the gym. I played sports all my life. Um, and you have, to, it's all about challenging yourself, right? I, that, and that's why I write what I write is that I want to make sure like, if you're not challenging your beliefs, if you're not pushing yourself, then you, you're not growing, right? That's how you grow. That's how you get more fit. And so it's okay to have the exchange of ideas. And we're not going to agree on everything. And no one's going to agree on everything when it comes to spiritual matters, especially prophecy. All right. Just go to any Christian online forum and talk about the rapture and watch <laughs> what's going to happen. There are so many people are so passionate about their positions, but at the end of the day, as long as we can do it in a respectful manner, then we're, we're growing together, right? We're learning from each other, exchanging. And, and that's important, right? I, so uh, it, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I want my beliefs to be challenged. I want, I think I, I like when you say, I have a question to challenge you because that's how I'm going to get iron sharpens iron, right? As the Bible says, that's how we're going to get stronger in, in our beliefs and really learn more and grow more together. So it's all good. All I welcome. Agree. I agree. And, and I do believe that it is a combination of different 
belief systems uh, throughout our, you know, our entire civilization that that keeps challenging us and keeps us going. And I love, I totally love the different theories that are out there. And, you know, I do a lot of interviews for other people myself and, you know, from a paranormal standpoint or a UFO standpoint, anything like that. And I always say, until I get there, I don't really know. We don't really know. All we can do is hypothesize. All we can do is take the knowledge that we see in front of us and try to challenge what's in this book or challenge this belief system by finding exactly what you're doing, by finding different things to prove it using science. I like the whole quantum physics thing. That's, you know, I'm a big believer in vibration and frequency and that, <laughs> sure, that, yeah. know, that there are some phenomenal things ha that have been happening with it throughout the ancient world and still are. And, you know, you look at the Bible, the Old Testament, especially where it speaks of seeing UFOs, for example. Well, where'd that come from? <laughs> Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they came from heaven. They came from heaven, right? The chariots of the gods, right? So yeah. Eric von Daniken, you know, he got that yeah. from the Bible. That phrase is from the Bible, right? They literally God travels on, you know, on the cherubim. They carry him or travels in the clouds. It says Jesus is going to come with clouds. He, when he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter one, a cloud takes him to heaven. And then two angels tell the apostles he's going to come back the same way. So he's riding something, right? Then you look at ancient um, Canaanite culture and you have Baal, who yeah. is known as the cloud rider, right? So, so there's a, there's a, there's, there's so the, so this is the idea of a divine vehicle, is something I I definitely see in scripture. And certainly you see it in Ezekiel chapter one. You see it with right. Elijah when he is taken up to heaven at the Jordan River and they, they're in mm -hmm. chariots, right? Take him, carry him to the divine realm. And so uh, right. so where do they come from? I think that they come from that realm. For right. me, they come from that dimension is where they're coming from, from the, the divine or fourth dimension. Yes, I'm fully on about the whole dimension thing as well. It's the, it's the one thing that makes the most sense to me i can't look up or down i have to look at everything within the energy within the space you know yeah um, exactly so we're talk let's talk about the apocalypse like what signs should we be looking for with all of this are we yes. giants to come back down and like you know should should i hide my daughter <laughs> like, <what? laughs> you <know>? well you <laughs> know there's gonna i think they're gonna try again right i mean jesus said as it was in the days of noah they were gonna see some repetition and so you know daniel yeah. chapter 2 says that in the end time it says they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men so it's like who's they right so we, again we're talking about mingling seed we're talking about birds and the bees right so right. There's so going to be this attempt again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I hear you. I have a daughter too, so I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. And yeah. Um, right. so yeah, so I think so yeah, so I think what are the signs? Right, I think we're seeing all the signs around us. And again, I I believe if people give take a time to study Revelation, you're going to see nothing but headlines. We already talked about it. Talks about a global electronic currency right it has to be a digital currency if it's controlling everything mm -hmm. buying and selling right mm -hmm. so we're seeing that it talks about the idea of, of again mingling seed in the end times we see this with transhumanism 
We see this today. The whole CRISPR, all these all these efforts that the the Silicon Valley billionaires who are investing hundreds of millions of dollars, the CEO of Google, Peter Thiel, all these people to try and find life extension technology, try and manipulate human genetics to to live forever, right? They're trying to literally achieve immortality. Right? That's the last thing left mm-hmm. for these tycoons to achieve, right? And they, this is exactly what scripture states is going to happen, even to the point that I believe there is immortality achieved in the book of Revelation. Right? At Revelation chapter 9, there's this interesting passage where the abyss is opened. So now these beings who have been imprisoned in the Tehom, right, the deep, who I believe are the, the original angels from Genesis chapter 6, who are in, we are told in the book of Jude that they are locked in chains. That they're, those angels, that subset of the fallen angels, are in prison. The devil and the rest of the angels are still around doing whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. but those angels are in prison. Well, guess what? They get released in Revelation chapter 9. It says they start tormenting those who don't have the seal of the sign of God in their forehead. So they're there as an instrument of God's judgment. However, there's an interesting thing that takes place. It says, in those days, people, humanity, shall seek death and shall not find it. People will not be able to die. So, and, at the, and it's going to be a time when they want to die the most because they're getting tormented by these beings who are, who are supernatural. And so, so something's going to happen that's actually going to allow people to actually not die for a period of time. And it says five months that people won't be able to die. So, and, and which is exactly the goal that we see that again, that millions of dollars are being poured into. And this is all out of the book of Revelation. So you have transhumanism, you have artificial intelligence, you have uh, technology to actually under, to, to read thoughts, right? To know if someone's worshiping a control society, a global government, a global control system, a hive mind, all. So when I look at, Everything we're talking about, transhumanism, CRISPR, CERN, the Neuralink, all these things are what the Bible calls, what Jesus called the birth pangs, right? The birth is coming, and you know it's coming when you start feeling the pangs, right? The contractions. And so those those things to me are screaming to us that, well, this is, we're on the cusp of this taking place. So let me ask you this, because, you know, I'm challenging your thinking again. Yes. (laughs) Keeping me in Um, shape. (laughs) (laughs) there are people like you know people running the show so to speak and you know they're they're reading this bible they're they're like you know okay so if this happens and this happens then this happens could they be forcing all of this to make it happen because it's in the good book so to speak and you know should we say rushing it along? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think there are some people who definitely want to usher in these things, right? I, I mean, even to the point that, you know, when you look at all the genetic, I mean, the amount of genetic data that's been collected in the past decade um, from not just colleges and institutions and labs, but just from, you know, people, you know, all these organizations, 23andMe and all these uh, you know, there's a lot of genetic data out there and they're mapping the human genome. I believe there are efforts to try and find the bloodlines of the Nephilim. I think there are efforts to try like CERN, right? What are they trying to do? You know, I, I did a, I, I did a show on my YouTube channel about CERN where I talk, I read from their own website. So I, cause I wanted to show what their mission is not from anyone's speculation. So I'm reading directly from their website and I put it on the screen where they talk about dimensions and how they believe they can access another dimension by firing up 
the, the uh, Haldron Collider, right? So they're telling you in their own words, right? Which is exactly what's going to happen in the end time. So we're, it's, it's all about the veil being removed. And now that dimension, the spirit dimension is going to be open to the earthly dimension. So yes, I do think that there are people who are ushering this in. And even to the point of, you know, even going back way back in the day to, you know, like Rosemary's baby, right? The idea that there are people who, who want to usher in the birth of the seed of Satan. Do I think there are people who want to do that today? Absolutely. Right. And want to usher in, or Damien, the omen, right? Like Hollywood's been telling us this for decades, oh, that there's a, this concept that's of that's having an offspring that. of the devil rule the world right not just to be born and be a bad guy and go rob people no he wants to, he's going to actually rule the earth so um yes yeah. yeah, so i do think there are people who want to try and usher this in okay and in line with that guardian hello guardian says what if bad ets because there's a lot out there as well you know that sure that are talking about this uh that have been in cahoots with government with respect to shared technology Example, Project Looking Glass. That's yeah, that's a that's that seems to be around a lot right now. Um, and all of this AI programs, what if they're all set to go off at certain times? Because you know, I would think since Roswell, you know, it really set us back with with respects to technology, apparently. And you know, they're saying we should be at least a hundred years ahead right now than where we are. But the only ones that are a hundred years ahead are, you know, military, governments, things of that. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 I've thought that for a long time that whatever technology we have, you know, the government is at least like two decades ahead, right? And so the idea of uh, you know, extraterrestrial or interdimensional beings sharing technology today, I totally think it's possible, right? I mean, you have, and and again, it's because we've, and this is, I think, very a very recent phenomenon. It's really only been about five or six years that you have so many people who actually were either in the military or in the government themselves saying on camera, yes, this is happening. Yes, we have tech, we have crashed a spacecraft, right? So exactly. So there are a lot of people and that's the common thread, right? Are they all making this up? And it's not just America, right? It's in Israel, it's in Great Britain. It's, you know, so there are many governments that you have officials saying, Beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes, we've had encounters, there is technology, or they're making agreements. And so the idea that um, things are being set for a certain date and time, uh, it's certainly certainly possible, certainly possible. So I mean, I think so. I think so. I, I mean, I've had different experiences with different beings. And I know that they must come from somewhere. Like I said, I don't think our creator would just make us the only little little grain of sand in this large, large beach sort of thing, you know. And I believe that there are a lot of bigger kids up there who are just kind of, you know, infiltrate the sandbox, as I say. So, you know, um, I do think it's it's a very strong possibility, and I and I think it's probably why there's an edge out there and this this thirst. Like, it just seems to be like in the last 50 to 75 years, there seemed to be a real thirst for not just knowledge, because that's always been there. You know, I think the, the ancients were without, they had technology with vibration frequency, things that were made available to them just through 
you know, we're energy for God's sakes. Right. You know, know, so I think there's a lot out there. The indigenous people, you know, they, they relied on nature. They used to look at the stars. They could, they didn't need all of this stuff that, that, we have today but if you think about it even time allegedly doesn't exist if you want sure to yeah yeah <laughs> man-made thing you know which yeah, is why yeah. i asked you know is this why we're you know this is all being pushed through because there's this timeline that needs to be met yeah i think so right i mean and, and even you know there's so many things uh in bible prophecy that are linked to time, right? There's Daniel's 70 years prophecy. There's yes. um, the prophecy Daniel told, uh, Joan, the prophet Jonah told Nineveh, in 40 days, God's going to judge you, and then they repent, and God re- God stops, doesn't do anything to them. God forgives them. So you, there's lots of things, I think, linked to time. Right. Linked, and even, and even right, even the birth of the Messiah, right? I mean, you know, the the wise men saw a star, right? right. So they, they, that's charting. They knew that particular star was appearing and followed it to Bethlehem. So the idea that there's a timing to everything, I think definitely, I don't, I don't know the time, um, yeah. but I do think uh, there's a very specific time, even, even in the great tribulation itself. I mean, it's described as mm-hmm. the Bible goes out of its way to say that the antichrist or the final Nephilim rules for 1260 days, Three and a half years. It describes it three different, like every which way to let you know this, that we're talking about a very specific time period that this is going to take place. And then that's it. Right. So, so yeah, I do think there's a a divine timing to all of these events. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. That's a lot of food for thought. And and, and, (laughs) you you see a lot of this starting to, to unfold and it is, it is a little scary. The world is a scary place right now. Um, but I know every generation goes goes through it, but not every generation goes through this big leaps in technology and and such, which is for me a really big key. Um, I personally would never want to be microchipped. I remember when it started happening, people were having <laughs> yeah. microchip parties. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. My brain yeah. just couldn't like work around that sort of thing. But to each his own, you know. So yeah, it's not for me either, by the way. No, no, I'm good. I will not be I will not be getting chipped. But I don't like anything, like I said, you know, like I don't do Botox, I just don't do anything. <laughs> I just say old old natural sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So as we start coming up to the top of the hour. You know, tell everybody how to find you, please, and the timeline on your new book, where to find this book. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so my website, uh, which you've graciously put on the screen, I appreciate that is judgment of the Nephilim.com and Nephilim is N E P H I L I M. Uh, additionally, my Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube channel are all just Judgment of the Nephilim, one word. That's how you can find me. So I have my books, Judgment of the Nephilim, The Final Nephilim. I have study guides for both books. I do lots of research. I have two documentaries that are each based on the books. So if you don't want to get into a too deep book, you can get the, through the book in one night. Um, so I documentaries that I film with the Hollywood crew. Um, that's, you can find that on my website. Uh, they're also they're available in DVD and digital on demand and Vimeo on demand. The links are all there on my website. My books are also on Amazon. Uh, and in terms of my new projects, um, 
I just actually released a new documentary. We didn't discuss it, but it's all about pop culture, how pop culture talks about the Nephilim. It's more geared towards uh-huh. the youth and the young adults, the movies and the books and oh, TV shows and comics that get into all that. Exactly. So I break, I do a big expose on that. It's called End Time Nephilim Deception. So wow. that's also available. Uh, it's going to, it's officially released January 14th, but it's available now on my website and also be on, on digital on demand as well. And Very then my new book that we've been talking about and, and teasing, uh, the goal is to have that come out in September of this year, Lord willing. So, um, right. I I have a lot of great research. I'm very excited. And I think it's going to really shake some things up. So stay tuned. Much more to come. You'll have to just let us know when that comes. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Or the prequel (laughs) and the, you know, the back. But thank you so much for joining uh, me tonight. Amelia had to miss tonight because she's under the weather. So tis the season, you know. It for- is. It is. It's going around. I'm, I'm very thankful. I've been very healthy. So um, I've dodged every bullet. Right. And so, uh, but thank you for having me on. Shout out to Amelia. I hope you feel better. Aww. And I, I appreciate it. This is great. I, I really love what you're doing. I think it's important that we, uh, you know, we speak about the supernatural, but really be open. Right. People have so many different experiences. Like I said, I was in Sedona. There are people, you know, I heard things I'd never heard before. I didn't know all about the the vortexes there and I got a full education. And so we have to keep our minds, our hearts, our ears open to what is taking place around us. Because like you said, so much is being revealed right now because I believe we're getting very close to what the Bible describes in the end times. And so um, I I really I I appreciate you having me on. So thank you very much. And all of your links are in the show description as well. So nice and easy for people to find. Yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, and one thing I didn't mention, too, is that this shirt I'm actually wearing is also available on my website. So my wife, my wonderful (laughs) wife, was like, you got to start making cool shirts. So she designed this shirt that says, ask me about the Nephilim. And uh, it's a great conversation starter. And on the back. Right. Oh, very nice. uh, Yes, it actually has a QR code you can scan that takes you to like a two minute primer video on the giants, the hybrids and explains it in a very easy day. And so, uh, you know, I wore behind you with their phones all the time, all the time. And I love it. So we debuted it. I was at a conference uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, back in October. And I went to a Target just to pick up some equipment to help with my computer. And there were like three people who just came right up to me with the phone. I'm like, I got to scan that. What is going on? What is, what is that QR code? What are the Nephilim? And so it's a great conversation starter. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with for your next book as well. Yes. I'm really looking forward to that research because I am, you know, I've always been an ancient history fanatic. I've always excelled in it. And, you know, I remember doing projects. It's pretty bad. You're in high school doing ancient history project. Your teacher won't give you back your notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow. (laughs) That's deep. You're doing some serious work. That means you're really working hard. So I did this, you know, that's right. Yes. Well, well, we're, we're kindred spirits. You're talking my language because if it's ancient, and supernatural, yeah. I love it. So um, I, love you'll, it. I will definitely keep you posted, and uh, you. I think you'll be you'll like what I'm finding. So it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I love it. I have no doubt if you're involved. <laughs> thank you for joining me, and I'll be in touch with all kinds of links and such for you. Great. Thanks so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Ryan. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Well, we have come to the end of another fantastic show. Whether we 
agree or don't agree, whether we have to agree to disagree, whatever the case may be. I'm always so appreciative of the people who come on the show and give us a couple of hours of their time to discuss their research and their books. And, you know, I have a healthy respect for that. It doesn't mean we all see eye to eye, but I thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Ryan is just such a, a wonderful individual to sit with and and have a jam session, shall we say. So big thank you to Ryan Peterson for spending the evening with us. Thank you, big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring our show tonight and every Wednesday and Thursday night. Huge thank you to Justice Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, the Sonic Surgeon, for providing us with his music, his voice for our intro that you just heard tonight. Um, if you want to communicate with us, guys, the outer realm contact at gmail.com. If there's somebody you'd like to see on the show, if you'd like to be on the show, tell us what you've got. Let's go from there. We've got all kinds of people who write in and a lot of these people end up on the show so much so that we've got a waiting list and we're now booking into March. So also guys, if you like what you hear, if you enjoy the shows, please show us some support, find us on Facebook and remember to like subscribe, share comment. We love it all. We really appreciate it. And next week, Okay, we start off Wednesday night for the very first time, which tonight was a nice segue into this, actually. But we have John Polk, and he works as a tour guide in Sedona. He specializes in UFO tours, along with ghost, vortex, medicine wheels, shamanic journey tours. He's got it all. He's a go-to guy when they have large conventions or paranormal conventions, Um any large group tours, television media, they go to Reverend John Polk. And he's going to be talking about UFOs and other, I guess, other areas of high strangeness that goes on in Sedona. But we're going to be limiting uh, the talk to a degree because he's booked for at least three shows with us. There is that much information that he wants to share with us. So let's look forward to his debut on Wednesday night, Thursday night, of course, open mic night. Hoo -hoo -hoo. That's going to be the first one of 2024. So join us in the chat room, get your questions and comments ready. Let's just kind of connect up. Uh, Amelia is hoping to be back by then. So, you know, it's going to be a party. So get on in there and hang out with us. <laughs> anyway, guys have a fantastic weekend. Catch me on spirit switchboard tomorrow night, 6 PM Eastern with Carrie Lynn Shellhorn, a very dear friend of mine. We're going to be talking anything high strangeness. So join us in chat. Same idea. Let's have a good time. Start off the weekend right. Have a good night. Have a good weekend. And thanks for tuning in to The Outer Realm.